Are you sitting quite comfortably? Then I'll begin. Baker's Comics! Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better, stronger, faster. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, Hello. everybody, Everybody. and welcome to the Echo Location Podcast. Hello, everyone, (laughs) and welcome to the Echo Location Podcast. (laughs) Well, we're getting an echo today. Sometimes it's female, sometimes it's not. Welcome back to the show after last week's Scott Pilgrim extravaganza, edited by you. Well done. I heartily approve of your editing of the show. Thank you. Because it gives me a week off. It was a bit of a bit of an experiment and uh, I thought it went well. Did you? If you do say so yourself, you thought you put together a good show there. I liked them. <laughs> well, if you're doing it for yourself, which we are, yeah, just other people have to listen. Yeah. Which is always nice. It is. Mm. Kind of like when you're in your room on a cold, lonely night and you're doing it for yourself, <laughs> but it's always nice when someone does it for you. <laughs> it's better when somebody does it with you. But it's alright doing it for yourself. Is that what you're saying? It is. Anyway, uh, should we consult the email feedback bag? (laughs) Should we look what uh, the lovely listeners have been saying about your Scott Pilgrim show? Although those emails haven't arrived yet. They've not. They've not. I'm hoping they'll arrive in full force. You're hoping that it'll be a flood of Scott Pilgrim type emails from Canadians, preferably. Eh. 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 Chris Franklin's emailed in, though, with nothing to do about Scott Pilgrim. Flashes assemble. Hello, Leyland. Hello, Christopher. It's amazing to think that a few months after these Avengers issues, Perez would be penciling Avengers, JLA, and new Teen Titans. I have read where Perez did borrow a bit from his own Taskmaster in the visual creation of Deathstroke. No crime in plagiarising yourself. No, if you did squint, he did look like Deathstroke, didn't he? He did. Wasp had some pretty wild uniforms over the years. I know Perez liked to switch them up quite a bit. Not everyone was a winner. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> we will agree that not everyone in that issue was a winner. Yeah. I loved the Secret Origin issue. Yes, that Flash tale was the post-crisis version of the original Flash of Two Worlds. In the original, Barry's vibrations take him to Earth 2 for the first time. Morrison created the Invisible City angle to replace the parallel world plot device. There is a creepy, unsettling subtext to the notion of a whole city of loved ones vanishing from reality for decades. But the Silver Age veneer hides it well. The idea of the sleeping Keystone City wasn't revisited too often, but I do recall a flashback story where Jay, Barry and young Wally visit a Keystone market for, and the citizens of Keystone are making bank by selling the junk, which the rest of the world thinks of as collectibles. Barry cleans up on old comics, as I recall. I think that was in one of the late 90s, early 2000s Flash 80-page giants. You know, I, I like the idea of the whole Forgotten City thing, and I didn't want to like it as a Morrison thing. Why? I, I, I wanted to know who did it so that I could like them for doing it rather than just liking it as a Morrison thing. But it was a Morrison thing. I know, so I can because like, it, I can like it as a Morrison thing now. He couldn't just retell Flash of Two Worlds as it was, cause because it, cause the multiverse, the multiverse didn't, didn't exist, exist yeah. at that point. 
until Grant Morrison, 20 years later, said, Oh, no, I like the multiverse. It was Jeff Johns who brought it back. Jeff Johns brought it back, but I refined it. He did. Aye. He made it his. I did, I. I made it my own. (laughs) (laughs) The Shade was an old foe of Jay Garrick, who was pretty much a utility villain in the Justice Society-related stories, until James Robinson made him a supporting player in his Starman series. Oddly enough, as I write this in the Supermates episodes that goes up today and this was sent to us on the 19th of March, so you can go back and find that episode. Cindy and I began our recurring series discussing this title, and, of course, The Shade is a part of it. Uh, he even had his own series as well. Boo. The, the Shade, Shade yeah. did he? It was, um, I, it was in the New 52, but I don't think it was part of the continuity, and it was a sequel to Starman. He had his own series, The Shade. But it was New 52? No, it was one of those titles where it happened in the New 52, but it was its own entity. Right. You know so what? it was a complete and total reboot then, the new 52. It was a mini-series that <laughs> existed as its own entity. I see. Okay, I'll take your word. Cre- creative rights and all. Creative disagreements. Yeah, it was creative a... divergences. Yeah. That kind of well, thing. Whatever works for you. Whatever works. I prefer to think of the new 52 as a wholly successful, total and complete reboot. Yeah, that Marvel doesn't need. That Marvel doesn't need. <laughs> Uh, Chris concludes I was silently screaming at my computer saying that's Gar Logan not Wally West I thought you guys had missed that I should have known you wouldn't great episode Chris oh no great episode Chris <laughs> but Set Supermates is a great episode Chris so thank you very much Chris for your email Bradley Null has also emailed him with yes yes it is I love what she's having you asked if the story was meant to be then the then post-crisis retelling of the classic story, then said, sort of. There is no sort of about it. That's what this story was meant to be and is. Well, I would argue with that, because it can't be a direct retelling of that classic story, can it? It's sort of a telling of that story, because it's not in a multiverse. A reimagining. Yeah, that's better. It's a reimagining of the story, not a retelling. Because mm. a retelling is just a verbatim retelling of the story, isn't it? Yeah. So we will argue with that point with you, Mr. Null. Uh, Bradley continues, if I seem overly attached to this, it's because this is the story where I went from being an Animal Man fan and became a Grant Morrison fan. It also serves as a great test story for older comics readers like myself, who might be thinking of reading some of Mr. Morrison's comics. If they like this adaptation, they can be introduced to his other work and will at least appreciate it. If this story sets them off in any negative direction, then it's probably better they don't read Seven Soldiers and Final Crisis. (laughs) It's probably best they don't read Final Crisis. I'd say the... the Seven Soldiers was good. Yeah, I'd say Seven Soldiers is the comic to give someone to get them to be a Grant Morrison fan. You think? Mm. I enjoyed Seven Soldiers. Exactly. I was surprised by how good it was. And so was Michael Bailey, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Mike liked it as well. So, you know, what the Grant Morrison series that you can give to Grant Morrison people who are on the fence as to whether they like Grant Morrison, whether they like it or not, there you go. Mm. Bit of a big undertaking, though. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But I think there's enough of it, though, so that if there's one particular miniseries you don't like, there's always another. That's true, and it did interlink very well. Yeah. I was quite impressed with that. Mark Spidey Smith has emailed in. I like that his name's Spidey. Yeah. You know, that's his genuine middle name. I would be impressed if it was. Because that would just be awesome. It would, His middle name was really Spidey. Hi, Michael and Andrew, loving your run of Just Good Comics. Well, apart from the description of Spiral, which gives me nightmares. When you got to talking about Arcade and his current whereabouts, I thought I would chime in with the knowledge. Arcade was last seen, to my knowledge, in Avengers Arena and Avengers Uncover, where he's even joked about how poor a supervillain he's been in the past. 
Mark also says he did eventually get a serious upgrade, but was last seen in Avengers Arena, strapped to the front of a helicopter like a stuffed toy on a bin wagon. Looking forward to more comics goodness. Mark Smith, not Mark Spidey Smith. I prefer the idea that his middle name's Spidey. I yeah. quite like that. I think that's, uh, that would be good. Gabriel Jimenez has emailed in again. Because, you know, well, it's like a bus. It's it? on for ages, and then Gabriel emails in twice. Just listen to the second part of the JLA Avengers crossover episode, and as expected, great show. Well, thank you much for the self-aggrandizing moment, we appreciate yeah. that. So much fun with these comics, to me this is the ultimate in fan service in the best possible way. There is so much information there, and for those who know and want that level of depth, they can enjoy it. And for those that aren't as knowledgeable, the top layer is just as interesting. Obviously there is much to enjoy in all the action and fighting, but I got the most enjoyment from the character interaction. Issue 3 was probably my favourite. I loved all of the hints at stories that the teams had had over the years. Those two-page spreads, the hints at relationships and chemistry between them all. It truly takes a masterful writer to be able to funnel so much backstory and characterisation into so little dialogue and conversations as Busiek does. This is helped enormously by Perez, since so much information is conveyed in the art itself, like how the body language hints at the closeness and friendliness of all these people. It takes a bit of an effort for your brain to reconcile DC and Marvel characters sharing so many pages together, but their interactions are so natural and enjoyable that it smooths the process. I appreciate that while the comic made effort to balance the presence or importance of both universes, characters' strengths and importance were respective over any possible false equivalence. It might have been easier, for example, to make the Thor Superman fighter draw, but Boussiet gave the fighter a winner and actually made the result a relevant story point. Same with Batman Cap and the fact that Superman was the last fighter standing. I agree on the appreciation of the amazing cover of issue 4. I think it is fitting for it to close out the story as it culminates that story and contrasts the epicness, the bombasticity, if there is such a word, and complicated, in a good way, nature of the crossover into a very simple and iconic image. Overall, I can't think of a comic book story that thrilled, excited and made me as happy as these four issues. I think this might be the highlight of the creator's career and could possibly be the funnest comic that I have ever owned. Kudos to the creative team and to you both for doing a great job covering these Issues. Looking forward to future episodes. Leyland's Doodles. Gabriel Jimenez. I like Toodles. I'm a big fan of Toodles. Thank you very much to everybody who emailed in on those particular episodes. We are. We'll do some more next time if we have any. Yes. <laughs> Only a couple in. Uh, we'll be back after these commercial messages for a show of some description. One day I'll plan it all in advance, mm-hmm. but not, I think, today. Hi, my name is Teresa. And my name is Rebecca. Do you like Supergirl? We do too. And we're super excited to bring you a fan podcast devoted to the upcoming Supergirl TV series on CBS from Greg Berlanti and Ali Adler, starring Melissa Benoist as the Girl of Steel. Check in with us every week for news and discussion about the last daughter of Krypton. Supergirl Radio. Your source for all things Supergirl. Ah, the new 52. What can we possibly say about it that hasn't been said? Good night, then. It, <laughs> it, was, it was good. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> that has not been said. Well done. <laughs> you love it. <laughs> On the one hand, a complete ground zero beginning for DC isn't necessarily a bad thing. And certainly in the very early days, we gave it every chance, did we not? We purchased a lot of comics we wouldn't normally have bothered with. Michael went for more esoteric titles. I was the, you know, 
with the standard superhero action adventure stuff. You were there with the darker stuff. A lot of titles we never would have tried that we stuck with. Yeah. And a lot of stuff that we wanted to stick with, we didn't. <laughs> Which books did you like, Michael? Which books did I like? In the new 52. Oh, um, Justice League Dark. Animal Man. Milligan and then Lemire. Uh, Animal Man, Swamp Thing, when it was uh, Snyder. Batman. Batman. Um, what else? All-Star Western. The Flash was good when we were reading it. Yes, Boccolato and uh, Manipal. Yeah? Yeah. That it? You more or less, apart from Batman. And what are you still reading? What am I still reading? Uh, we dropped Justice League Dark because Lemire left. Well, you dropped it. I never read it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I dropped Swamp Thing because Snyder left. Yeah. Animal Man finished, but I'm still reading... Did just... Swamp Thing not finish when Snyder left? It has now. But it didn't finish when he left. No, he just right. left. Um, but I'm reading Justice League United now to replace Animal Man. I think that's it. Multiversity at the moment. But that's finished. Uh, okay, fair enough. Ultimately, New 52 lost me somewhere along the way. You kind of followed it a bit longer, didn't you? I'm, I'm sticking to the main titles I like, yeah. Batman. Yeah. Uh, which is the only title I've continued to both read and look forward to. My other favourite DC hero, Superman, seems to be having a harder time of it. Grant Morrison's take on the legend seemed to suffer from communication problems. Whilst Morrison may have known where he was going, the writers of the other Superman books were confused as to what the new history actually was. A revolving door of creators then followed, and for me this lack of focus on the characters and the constant crossovers started to wear me down. I wanted to read a good Superman book. Was that so much to ask? The feeling of ennui surrounding Superman and his family of books seems to have been felt by others as well. Whilst people have pointed out to the stellar work of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo on Batman, the off-the-wall lunacy of Pamiotti and Connor's Harley Quinn, Manipul and Buccalato's excellent work on The Flash, not a single solitary list I could find when I Google food it, listed a Superman book as the best of the New 52 post-Morrison. And even though the Morrison runs seem to divide people, even ardent Grant Morrison fans, Newsarama's reader's poll of the best New 52 titles from the beginning of 2014 doesn't feature a single Superman book. What do you think about his run on Superman? Because you didn't like it for the longest time. No, I can't really remember what it was I thought about it. I remember appreciating a bit more and what it was trying to do because we'd just done Happy Birthday Superman. So I, I appreciated it for its Golden Age stuff. But I just didn't like it that much. Have you not been back and reread it? I've tried to, but I think the first act just kind of... I don't like it enough to keep on going. Well, really, I should. All right. Fair enough. Okay. But what is it about Superman, then, that's so hard to get right? We kind of talked about this a little bit last week. Yeah. But we didn't want to go too you far. You say a little bit. Because we knew we were covering this. Yeah. So we kind of pulled back a bit. When looking at lists of DC's finest over the decades, there's always a Superman story in there somewhere. But let's be brutally honest, where was the last time DC published an honest-to-goodness, balls-out, classic Superman story. One that will take its place in the pantheon of great Superman stories. Superman for all seasons? All-star Superman? Is that it? Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. Isn't it? I mean, I've asked people far more learned than I in their knowledge of the Man of Steel if there are good current Superman books being published. They tend to reply that Batman Superman's okay if you like Jay Lee's art. That's me out there. <laughs> 
because I don't like it. They say Greg Pak's doing some good work on action comics, that Superman Wonder Woman's all right, not exactly ringing endorsements, but that does at least imply there's life in the old Kryptonian yet. DC seems to at least recognise that there are problems. When Marvel mainstay John Romita Jr.'s contract lapsed, he was wooed by Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns specifically to work on Superman. This, on paper, seemed like a good move. On a thread about the best Superman stories of the New 52 on Comic Vine, people were actively telling others to avoid the Superman comic. Ramita Jr. was teamed with Jeff Johns, a writer who is currently one of the hottest in comics, for a run that would, hopefully, restore the character to greatness. I was sceptical, but intrigued. Johns is, allegedly, only allowed to write a certain number of comics under his DC contract, instead being kept busy on the prodigious TV output. John Jr. has long been of variable quality. Whilst he was one of the best artists in the business throughout the 80s and into the early 90s, a lot of his work over the past decade or so has been... mixed. (laughs) Teaming in with Inca Klaus Janssen also seemed problematic, given both those styles tend to be scratchy. So, what would this collaboration be like? Should we have a look? Okey-doke. Should we we go for it? Okey-doke. Issue 32 of Superman came out, well, obviously at some point, because I've got a cop in my hand, but <laughs> modern comics don't seem to bother putting months or years on the cover anymore. It just says 32, 399 US. It says in the bottom left. It does say August 2014. But that wouldn't have been when it came out. No, so, yes, you're right, it says in the barcode. Why is it put in the barcode? I don't know. Right. So it'll come out a couple of months before that. Well, yeah. So say what? July? June? Mm. Around June 2014? Feels like such a short time ago, really. It kind of was. It's nearly a year. If this came out in May, June of okay. last year. Okay. So, so well, is this boot not monthly then? Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose that works out, well, right? What were you, like, going into this before before it came out? What were your reactions? Uh, I was moderately excited about it. Because, like I said, when Jeff Johns is on form... Yeah. He is one of the best writers in comics. There's no denying yeah. that. His, his Flash run is fantastic. I, I like Green Lantern Rebirth and the subsequent Green Lantern stuff a great deal. I, I don't dislike Flash Rebirth. Mm-hmm. I think Flash Rebirth has its moments. Um, that's pretty much all of his I've read, apart from his Justice League, which, again, is hit and miss, but when it's firing on all cylinders, yeah, is really quite good. Yeah, he is. He's, he can sometimes get too lost in the action, though. You think? He's really good at character beats, but I yeah. do think he gets... I was going to say, he didn't get lost in the action in this story. <laughs> in the sense that, you know, he got himself wrapped up into it. I felt he, he felt that the action story beats were in the way of what he wanted to do. Yeah. But I was I was honestly looking forward to this. I was very much looking forward to this. I was excited after Superman Unchained. Which was a massive damp squib in your eyes, wasn't it? It really was for two like creative mm. talents I really like. And this is the same. I really like John Jr. and I really like Jeff Johns. So I was I was pretty excited for it. I was also pretty excited for it. Yeah. I don't I'm not as down on Superman Unchained as as you are. I think it reads much better when you read it as a, a collected whole. I still think the ending's problematic. I've not read the last issue. But it's... Yeah. yeah. This was this was more exciting to me. Yeah. Jim Lee on Superman doesn't doesn't fire, doesn't press my buttons. 
Jimmy mm. on pretty much anything doesn't press my buttons. Maybe if you came back to the Punisher, yeah. that may be fun. <laughs> I will, yeah. But I, 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 I expected Ramita's art to not be great on this. Did you? Uh, yeah, I expected it to not be great. I didn't expect it to be what it was. And you're not saying what it is yet. I'm not. We're teasing. <laughs> <laughs> Two issue 32 is a wraparound thing. Jim Rita Jr. and uh, Jansen. At first glance, it's a riff on many famous scenes of Clark Kent changing into Superman, portrayed best in the movie Superman 2. However, this seems to boast a new 52 twist. The S-Shield seems to be controlling the change in some way, and it's glowing quite prodigiously. This new Superman costume for the new 52 has steadfastly refused to grow on me. Unlike it seems to be doing yeah, on him. I think that's how it works in this, but I've never actually read anything I've, that explains I had that. no idea what was going on there. Is Does he just, like, rip open his shirt and suddenly the S transforms? No, I think he's um, a, a member who didn't make it onto the Power Rangers. <laughs> and I think if he pushes his S down, it grows on him. Does it? Is that is that genuine? I, <laughs> I, pr- I pray... I pray to Dideo it's not, but I think it does grow from his S. Um... I've tried to like it. Yeah. I've failed. <laughs> I, I like it, to you be You like the suit? You, yeah. You really? I, I think it looks adequate when Jim Lee draws it. Yeah, I think on, on a writer who can draw it... it on, on a writer on, who can draw it? <laughs> yeah. That sums it up! <laughs> <laughs> on an artist who can draw it, it looks good, but if the writer can't draw or ape or mimic Jim Lee's designs, it falls a bit flat. I think we're going to go with falling a bit flat then, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the costumes here, whether I like it or not. Art-wise, this is plain. There's no backgrounds, and Ramita Jr. was excellent on backgrounds on yeah. Spider-Man. His New York landscapes were second to none. It's just not very good, is it? Um, I don't mind it. Really? It, I think, you know, Superman's face is off-centre, his eyes are mismatched... The floppy hair makes it look like he's just rolled out of bed. I really did pray that this wasn't indicative of the overall art we were going to get yeah. when I saw that cover. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of cool. I, I like that we get big Superman running towards us on the front, but then you can work back to the boring bits on the back. <laughs> yeah, but Considering there's... A shirt rip's iconic. And here it's a bit... Meh. Nah. This is the Superman Returns of shirt rips. As opposed to the Superman 2 of shirt reps. Oh, come on, give Superman Returns some credit. <laughs> no, that shirt rep was awful, dude. I'm, I'm just going to say that right now. The Men of Tomorrow, Part 1, Ulysses. 25 years ago at the Ulysses Research Centre, the best and brightest minds from across the earth are startled when it all goes horribly wrong. We don't have a story if it doesn't go horribly wrong, do it? <laughs> the centre has undergone a Class 5 hazardous leak and Dimension 2 has been breached. An emergency evacuation has been called for and as alarms blur out the warnings, Bridget and Peter Quinn, not to be confused with Peter Quill, run afraid that the strange matter for Dimension 2 cannot be contained and as such the director, Dr Black, will order a self-destruct. The sun has only one chance. A Stargate portal to Dimension 4 has been opened and Peter believes that the child will be safe though. Bridget isn't so sure, but as the capsule has room only for one, she does not argue as they say their goodbyes. The child is lodged into the void. 
in Metropolis today. Superman destroys the robotic monkey Titano and Jimmy Olsen is there to take pictures because a photographer eats with his camera, a photographer sleeps with his camera. They are a tad blurry and indistinct, but back at the Daily Planet, Perry buys them anyway. Perry then takes a meeting with Clark Kent, who he desperately wants to return to the staff of the Daily Planet. Clark is a little reticent, but Perry wonders why Clark is so intent on keeping his distance from his colleagues. Clark doesn't answer, and says he'll think about the job offer. He does so, all alone and sad. Sad Clark is sad in his apartment, <laughs> looking at pictures of the deceased Ma and Pa Kent. His hearing warns him of trouble in downtown Metropolis and he flies into action as Superman. A terribly boring spacecraft that looks like a windscreen wiper blade is attacking and the man inside seems to know Superman is Clark Kent. They fight. Superman seems no match for the wiper blade and is flung into a nearby truck. He opens up with a heat vision volley but seems confused that it's a bit wonky. He's then smacked around a bit by a robot who looks like he was designed by Roman gladiators. Superman isn't doing too well when from out of a dimensional portal a blonde armoured figure appears and owns the Spartabot. He and Superman tag team on Spartabot and it goes boom. Superman asks who this new guy is as he seems to struggle a tad with the English language and then seems surprised that he's on Earth. He says his name is Ulysses and that Cleric had told him Earth was destroyed and he was the last survivor. He seems pleased that this isn't the case. That was the opening chapter. Firstly, yeah. the guy we see who knows he's called Clark Kent wasn't on the ship. Was he not? No. Where am I looking? Well, it's near the end. Oh, right, okay. But the guy who knows he's Clark is the recurring character. Oh, yeah, he's the, the shadowy man, isn't he? Yeah, TM. The smoking man. The smoking man, yes. He's the cigarette smoking man. He is. Did I say he was on the ship? Yes. All right, well, I cocked up, though. <laughs> you think I would have proofread this. <laughs> <laughs> but that would require a prayer for professionalism. Yeah, that, w- that would require reading it more than... That would require it reading it more. No, I read this one a couple of times. I liked issue one a great deal. Uh, it opens with a pastiche on the Superman origin sequence hugely. Influenced by Superman on the movie. Yeah. No doubt, because who wrote this again? <laughs> Just check it. Uh, it immediately sets up the central protagonist, this child of Bridget and Peter, and his similarity to Superman. It's very familiar. It feels like a Silver Age opening to an imaginary story or a novel-length epic of that era, with the caveat that the Silver Age would have done this in one or two pages. Yeah. Rather than, what, six, five, four, whatever the hell it took. Uh, John's lays the similarities on a tad thick, but, you know, superhero comics are really subtle, mm. are they? So, give him a, a pass. The credits also play out like Superman the movie, over a starscape, as if this were a film. Yeah. Who wrote this again? <laughs> to be fair, when that's, done, when that's done right, I quite like it. Yeah, do you think it's done right here? I think they're doing it for the sake of making it. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Which is one of my many problems with this. <laughs> that it wants to be Superman 3. Yeah, but I do want to point out, yes. that double-page spread, I really like. The two-page shot of Superman smashing a giant robot gorilla. Yeah, I think it's a pretty cool shot. Because that was the part of the preview. Yeah. I, I read the preview. Usually, I don't. Because I don't want things spoiled for me. And if I want to read it, I will read it in its whole context. Yeah. But I read the previews to this to get me off... Or, or, really? Or, to get me on one side of the fence. Yes. And that part was in the preview, and I thought, yeah, sure. I'm not expecting much of a meters up, but that is high, 
higher quality stuff. Yes, I, I don't disagree with you on that particular two-page spread. It's what we want to see in a Superman comic. His, it's, his costume looks pretty good as well. His costume doesn't look terrible, though. Yeah. I will give you that. There's still far too many lines on it. He's still got the girl cuffs. We don't need the glowing red eyes, but well, what yeah, you do? That's very irksome. And especially seeing as what are they supposed to be doing. Superman's punching this thing's head clean off. He doesn't need his heat vision. It's showing us how angry he is. Is it really? Is it the angry glowing red eyes it's, of anger? Yeah. Right, okay, fair enough. Superman's bleeding from his mouth, which kind of implies he's been hurt by kryptonite because uh, the monster's head is glowing green. Mm. So did you get there was some kryptonite involvement there? I got a little bit. Cause Never I, mentioned again. No, I, I think when you're reading a Superman comic and you see the colour green, you just assume You just kryptonite. automatically go to kryptonite, don't yeah. you? Yeah, all right. Um, Jimmy takes pictures, which is fine. No, um, I, go on. This was, no, this was the start of where I started... I, it started losing me. This early on? Yeah. Why? Because I'm sick. I am sick to death <laughs> of Jeff Johns telling a sequel to Superman the movie <laughs> every single run on Superman. That man has done has been a, a, an alternative sequel to Superman the Not movie. even a sequel to Superman 2? No. Quite well, it, it could be 2. I don't care. <laughs> Jeff Johns wants to write a sequel to these Superman movies, every single one of them, and it starts on the cover with a bloody logo, which I like and don't like at the same time. Uh, I like the logo, actually. I like that it's got that silver Superman the movie logo. But I know why he's doing it, and that's what bothers me. Why is he doing it? Because he wants to write Superman the movie. Well, maybe we, they should have let him write Man of Steel, then. Jeff, we get it. You watched it as a kid. You worked with Richard Donner. But every single run he has is a sequel to the movies, every single one of them. That said, the Daily Planet <laughs> scene was fantastic. I yeah. did like this scene a great deal. There's some really good dialogue here. It captures the hustle and bustle of a busy newspaper office exceptionally well. He does have an excellent ear, ear for dialogue. Yeah, but do you know why? Why? Because it's from the Superman, it's from Superman he, the movie. He, that is a valid point. He does quote Superman the movie in here. He does say, I've been in the newspaper business 35 years and I expected it to be followed up with men and boy. <laughs> and it, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I've made four and a half years out of quoting Superman the movie. The only I'm thing... Well, it, and the show, I, I do it everyday life, but no one else gets me. The only thing that's missing is Lois Lane and her orange juice. And Lois Lane not being able to spell yeah. is missing as well. Yeah. There's one P in rapist. <laughs> rapist. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like them, the posters, because I, I remember them causing quite the controversy. Why? Leading cool. Why did they, they cause... Uh... Because this is part of the, the problem of the New 52's inane five-year timeline. Some of these events shouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's that's what... Superman dead. Look, in the new continuity, that didn't happen. No, I think it did. Well, it shouldn't have. No, it ha the Action Comics, they said Superman has died. It um, shouldn't have. If you're doing a Ground Zero reboot, you cannot rely on people's memories of stuff that now didn't happen. Yeah, no, I think they said that the death of happened... It just did. Of course it did, because they didn't actually know what they wanted to do. Yeah. Did they? I think the whole point of what they're trying to get across there, though, is that Lex Luthor is now a good guy. Lex Luthor saves the world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we've beaten that new 52 five-year timeline drum to death, haven't we? Mm. So we'll leave that alone for now. Uh, there were some things that were new to me here, because I've not been reading Superman other than the Grant Morrison stuff. Jimmy has tens of million of dollars? When did that happen? 
as of this issue, as far as I'm concerned. All right, okay. I don't enough. know about it. All right, either. without not mentioning Grant Morrison's run. If no, no. All right. Uh, he also comes from a dysfunctional family because it's post millennium. Yeah, and that's cliche. I could have done without that, to be honest with you. And when did Clark quit the planet? Was that in Morrison's run? Um, I seem to vaguely remember that. To be that. honest, I don't seem to ever remember him working there. He always worked. I thought he was a, a freelancer and a blogger. I remember him working at the Star, isn't it? Well, are we not mixing up your golden age content? Did he work at the Daily Star in Grant Morrison's run? He did, yeah. Right, okay, fair enough. I, I vaguely recall him being like a blogger kind of reporter rather than a Daily Planet reporter. Yeah. But, you know... Obviously, he did work at the Daily Planet. But Jeff Johns wants him to be in Superman the movie, so he's got to work at the Daily Planet. Because he's got to work at the Daily Planet, alright. Um, I'm not sure what I think about Clark Kent wearing a backwards baseball cap. Yeah, I don't get that. And why is he wearing it as well? Because he's in the house on his own, he's cool. But the first thing I do when I get inside the house, if I'm wearing a hat... He's take it off. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly wouldn't be wearing it backwards like I'm in a 90s <laughs> R&B hip-hop band. <laughs> like he's in New Kids. Yeah. Are you 17? Stay another day. I'm sorry, but Clark's a bit—he's a bit too white to be pulling that hat. <laughs> well, the thing I didn't get—so the collar folds down when he's wearing his shirt. Yeah. It's Why like, have it then? I don't know. All right. Okay. Fair enough. It, 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 they're so 70s. You can turn them into his pants into floors. It's a bit mopey. Why is he cooking his his food with his heat vision? Because uh, he's normal, and this is him living a normal life. Well, I, I guess that... I, I mean, I'm kind of thinking it's heat vision. You can't exactly cook a, a steak with, like, a, a candle. No. Or, or, yeah. Yeah, well, see, the whole point of the, the Clark Kent persona was to mix and mingle. Mm. Back in the, the old days, when I were a lad... <laughs> He did but yeah, this was all fields. And Clark was out bowling in private life with Clark Kent. Yeah, he's just moping. He's I, just sat at home moping. I get that he feels a bit like an outcast, but is, is the best way. With thirty two issues in at this point, yeah. he shouldn't be feeling like an outcast is anymore. The, is the best way to convey that he's an outcast to have him sit around looking at pictures of his family? You could hear music in the background, couldn't yeah. you? I, I'm kind of getting the, the impression as well that this is kind of what he does every night. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he does effectively cross-cut the scenes in this between, you know, Clark arriving at home and trying to speak to Diana and trying to speak to Bruce and nobody's available. But this is the problem that I'm having with this era. He only hangs out with other superheroes. Yeah. Clark used to hang out with Lois and Jimmy and whatever his name was, Josh, the camera guy who always has an ulcer, and the crap sports guy, what's his name? Steve, Steve Lombard. Yeah. And now he only hangs out with Wonder Woman and Batman, and he, there's nothing identifiable though. He kind of hangs out with Jimmy Olsen later. Later on, yeah. which is kind of like the point of the arc, but what does he do with Jimmy Olsen later on? He tells him he's friggin' Superman. <laughs> Clark... Understand the concept of the secret identity, please. But Barry Allen doesn't understand that either in the Flash TV show, does he? So, you know. I mean, he, he's keeping his distance behind each other, be out from people, and it's... I can't, when I was reading this, I was kind of uncomfortable with this scene because I didn't like it. The whole point of Clark Kent is to get Superman to have a reference point to humanity. Mm. It's that Shakespeare play thing, isn't it? Where King, um, is it Richard? Yeah. Disguises himself as a pauper and goes so, and hangs out with yeah. common man. 
so he understands what they're saying about him, the king on the eve of war. Yeah. That's what Clark is. Clark is Superman's way of interacting with humanity. That's the point of it. Mm. To have him be Clark Kent who just sits at home moping all the time, the, but what's, why not just go to the Fortress of Solitude and do that? This scene did just reek of mopey for the sake of mopey. Yeah, I mean, it's possible... I mean, I wrote this as we were going through it. The story unfolds that, that this would be a, a plot point, but has the New 52 been like this all the way through? Um, I'd... I really... I, all I remember is of the action comics, Morrison. Oh, well, and that's all I've read, and, and I don't remember that. He, even then, Clark Kent would still be out hanging with Jimmy Olsen a lot. He'd be friends with his landlady. Right, yeah. So, I mean... I am of the opinion superhero comics need the secret identity stuff. Which because they don't. Because it allows the audience an in, doesn't yeah. it? That's the point of it. And they just seem to be pushing that further and further away. I mean, some people don't need them. Iron Man doesn't need a secret identity. Thor doesn't need a secret identity. Because they're wish-fulfillment characters. Yeah, but it's like they're the kind of superheroes who are who they are. Yeah. And you can, you can mine drama from Thor, from Odin and all that stuff. Yeah. The fact that he's Thor isn't really a superhero persona, it's is it? who he That's is. That's who he is. Yeah. So, but the whole point of Peter Parker and Clark Kent was they were ordinary schlubs who rise above their ordinariness to, to be a heroic ideal. Who were the reader and who the reader yeah, could be. Yeah, for us to strive to be. Yeah, we're the schlub. Yeah. We're the guy with zits and bad hair. But we can be heroes, as David Bowie once put it. Mm -hmm. And that was the point of them. That was the wish-fulfillment angle. And I, I honestly don't find them as interesting to read about when it's just superhero action all the time. Yeah. You need to cur who the guy behind the mask is. I mean, I know Superman doesn't wear a mask before somebody emails in. <laughs> but you need to cur about who he is before you care about the guy in the cape. You have yeah. to care about him. Or it don't work, does it? Mm. And, you know... I mean, the action is suitably Superman epic when it happens. It, it It's over with very quickly. I think which... it might be a bit too epic. Why do you think too epic? Why? Um, because it's not a fight. It's an epic... It's Superman getting beaten down to play up how cool Ulysses and it's, is. And it's Superman's face exploding with, with laser eye beams. Yeah, his laser eye beams explode all the time. And, I mean, a superhero battle would be over with quickly, wouldn't it? Yeah. It would be in real life. But, you know, I'm not asking for a return to Stanley levels of verbosity, but some thought balloons or captions or something here to give us access to Superman's thought processes. You know, stuff that comics can do that yeah. movies can't. This isn't a film, Jeff. Give <laughs> us an insight into his mind. Give us a, what he's thinking. You know, that wouldn't have sucked, I don't think, and it would have made the issue feel like it was reading. I have no idea who this guy <laughs> is who's attacking Superman. And it doesn't matter in the, in the context of the whole storyline. But having Superman think, oh, that didn't work. Oh, better try something out. Just, yeah. you know, a little bit of an insight into what he was thinking. Which, to be fair on Unchained, we got. We got that in Unchained, yeah. And this, because this was just page after page of fight then, of pretty art. Or not pretty art. Yeah, some pretty, pretty naff inking. Some, some pretty poor inking from Klaus Janssen, yes. Uh, Superman fires off a volley of heat vision at whoever's attacking him and seems unable to turn it off 
be surprised by its intensity, which right. will pay off later, won't yeah. it? Do you not get that? No. Why not? I, 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 I don't know. Does he say it out loud? No, he doesn't say it out loud. Right. It's all in the art. He fires off that, and he seems a bit surprised that he can't turn it off. Right. Okay. I got from the artwork. But, you know, there you go. Again, a little caption going, why is my... What? what? Yeah. What's going on here? Would have been helpful. Yeah, I, I just kind didn't. of read it as, so, yeah. oh, he's doing his laser eye beams. And he couldn't switch them off, which right, plays okay. into what yeah. happens later on, doesn't it? Uh, Ulysses' fish-out-of-water act at the end is a little too good to be true. I already dislike him intensely, because yeah. they've done that really boring thing that Superman writers do. To make the new character seem really powerful, let's have a couple of pages of Superman having kicked out of him for our new character to show up and save the day. Yeah. Hate that. Mm. Absolutely hate it. And he mentions Cleric, who in pre-post-crisis continuity, sorry, was a Kryptonian. I think he was the guy who gave Superman the Eradicator, but Mike Bailey probably yelling at his MP3 player <laughs> choice at this point, if I've got that wrong. I think they're just using the name here, aren't they? Yeah. So, um, it was a decent enough first issue. On the positive side, it did feel like a Superman story. Mm. It was a story that couldn't be told with any other character, which I don't feel we get a lot of these days. Uh, Johns is ably portraying the interaction between the characters when such a scene was called for. For the most time, Superman's just been mopey and alone. Uh, it's Clark who interacts with Perry, and that's that's pretty much it. There's a, there's a dearth of backgrounds in the art, which is sadly hit or miss, and it's not always clear what's happening, nor is there any real feeling of geographical scope I also felt, not for the first time, that the colorist was doing most of the work Yeah. in this particular issue. The two-page part of the fight, as Michael mentioned when we were going through it, is, is god-awful. I think that's dreadful. And it looks like it was photostatted up yeah. from what it should be. It looks like it's been photocopied to be larger mm. and badly. Yeah. And it's, it's just terrible. I mean, we'll, we'll get the larger problems out of the way here because they're recurring problems and the familiar problems. It was an exceptionally fast read for the money. It's not a story. It's a prologue. But these are complaints about the entire comics industry at the minute, not just this comic or DC mm. in, in general. Taken on its own merit, it was enjoyable, if not entirely satisfying. What did you think? I thought the only good thing about it was also one of the major bad things about it. Which was? It was a Superman story. But I think it was a Superman story because we've already seen it on screen. We've not really seen him beat the snot. Well, no, we've, we've seen him get in a fight like that with Zod now. Yeah, but literally, the majority of it is the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve. And now, whilst that does seem good because it's a Superman story, shouldn't... You know, Should we have now left Christopher Reeve in the past? Yeah, I mean... Are, are it we, was great, we all love it. Was this generation Superman? Yeah, is, it, is Man of Steel this generation it Superman just seems rather like than the comics? We're congratulating Jeff Johns for... Mining Superman the movie again. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> essentially, we're congratulating a guy for someone else's work. Alright, fair enough. And as for the art, I don't know. Variable is what comes to mind. Yeah. yeah. It's just not consistent at all. It's not. Is it? 
Uh, issue 33 evokes Dan Jurgen's cover for Superman, the Zero issue back in the 90s. Superman 33 has a silhouetted Superman hoisting some heavy type machinery above his head with one hand, his eyes glowing red. Pardon me while I yawn. It's a very late period Frank Miller in that it's blocky and quite unappealing. His left hand looks deformed. What do you think? I actually really like it. Do you like this one? Yeah. I, I, again, I think the colorist doing all the work there, dude. The colorist is, is applying the, the red eyes. The I, colorist has done the background. I think it would have been a lot better if they'd got rid of the red eyes. Maybe even the S. Oh, I, I always like that. The S is only the only thing visible in a silhouetted Superman. Yeah. I would, I'd agree with you about getting rid of the belt. Yeah. Just give us the silhouette of Superman and the red S. Yeah, we don't need the glowing, but, evil red no, glowing I, I, eyes of Vanga. I, I, I really quite like it, actually. But I, I'm starting to question myself, do I like it because of what's there, or am I, am I liking it because the black covers... You like the black cover? Well, because there's nothing to cock up with it being mostly black. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's, it's forearm in his hand. I quite like it. Really? It's, it's forearms bigger than his bicep. Stylized. Yeah. There's stylized and then there's wrong. This isn't yeah. even Kirby yeah. stylized. It's I, I don't like it at all. I think he looks lopsided and wrong. I think his his torso looks far too bulky and big for his legs. He's got really skinny legs. But John Romita Jr. got into this habit of drawing really skinny legs on Spider-Man. Yeah, which I did. I, I quite liked on Spider-Man because I, I like the slightly. Sp- well, Spider-Man's supposed to be a l- little bit skinny, isn't it? Yeah, but he's not supposed to have ankles that I can wrap my fingers around. No, I kind of like the insect-like approach to his his anatomy. Right. Okay. Well, part two is called the new Superman. <laughs> as if we didn't uh, hammer that point over in the last issue. At the Daily Planet staff meeting, Perry wants to know all about this new Superman and tasks his staff with that goal. Clark, meantime, has been digging in the archives and uncovered an old article by Perry. Perry tells Clark that he will help him only if the planet gets first refusal on the story and Clark comes back full-time. Clark agrees. Perry tells Clark about the Ulysses Research Lab, which was led by former military black project leader Dr. Margaret Black. Fed up with designing smart bombs and biological warfare, Black decided that the only way to create a utopia was to start afresh. With space travel across the universe currently impossible, she started to look towards breaking the dimensional barrier. A year after the lab was built, there was an accident. The lab was shut down after the release of an unknown energy from the second dimension killed Dr. Knight and several others. Clark asks about a Dr. Peter and Bridget Quinn, but before Perry can answer, a ruckus in the bullpen causes them to abandon their chat. Ulysses is here looking for Clark. Clark says that he's uh, a source. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. And they amscray, leaving Lois and Jimmy to ponder what Clark is up to and how they can have a piece of it. Ulysses can sense Clark, which annoys Clark no end, and he explains the concept of the secret identity to Ulysses, which I wish he'd remembered in the last issue. Ulysses now calls himself Neil Quinn. Neil tells Clark about Cleric, who was the Spartan bot they fought last issue. He was the sworn enemy of Neil's people and had vowed to destroy Neil's homeworld. As Neil thought Earth was destroyed, he paid his threats no never mind. With Cleric now in Strikers Island, Clark leaves to investigate the research base. Neil ignores Clark's instructions to stay put, borrows some of Clark's clothes, and goes off to see what blending in is really like. 
Clark calls Perry about a discovery, but we are made to wait to learn what this is, as Ulysses has been attacked by the green soldiers from Toy Story. Superman overhears the fracas on the phone with Perry and believes it to be Jeremy Clarkson, but zooms back to Metropolis where Ulysses is now holding his own against the Toy Story soldiers. Superman helps stop the threat and deduces they are of the same type of construction as Titano. That's a mystery for another day as we find out what Clark asked Perry. Peter and Bridget Quinn are alive. Superman takes Ulysses to meet his parents. As the scene brings smiles, Superman is being watched by the Wiper Blade Man, who says that Clark has to be alone for now. <laughs> and indeed, <laughs> going to what you say, this scene, this scene, sorry, this comic opens with a scene at the Daily Planet that is an almost play-by-play of a scene in Superman the movie. Yeah. The scene where the to Superman saves Lois in the helicopter. Uh, Peter reads them. Peter Perry reads them the riot acts as he does in Superman the movie. Um, you know, do they like ham and eggs? Does he have a girlfriend? What ball team does he support? Well, I don't know that he'd lend himself to any crass commercialization, Perry. How do you know that? <laughs> and it's, it's exactly the same. Mm. And there's me trying to say, no, you're wrong. He's yeah. not rewriting a sequel <laughs> to Superman. And they so I mean it's a good scene, it's funny, it's well written, even if Ramita Jr.'s art's at its most schizophrenic. What's Lois, going on with his art? Like, I don't Lois know. Lane on the on that bottom of that page, lovely, yeah. lovely full figured page. face. Next, top of the next page, she looks like Lacey Chabot. Did she get hit with a rake? <laughs> She's sucking a gobstopper. And what's going on with, with troops? Lombard's face? Steve Lombard. Yeah. Ron Troop looks okay. Yeah, but what's going on with Lombard? I don't know what's going on and with Steve Lombard. teeth. <laughs> yes, I do <hear> <laughs> <laughs> He's pulling his top lip back and buried his teeth. Jimmy Olsen looks pretty alright. Jimmy Olsen looks fine, apart from the blobby nose. Perry looks brilliant. Oh, but this is, this is what it's like all the way through the comic, isn't it? Yeah. Bottom of page two, Lois is lovely, like you point out. Top of page three... Yeah, she's been hit by a rake. And it's, what the hell is going on? You know, Perry looks brilliant. I'll give him that. Perry looks really fantastic. Clark looks... I can't decide whether he's drawing Brandon Routh or not. Yeah, he's channeling like Brandon Routh and Stone, Christopher Reeve and others. Not Henry Cavill. But yeah. We'll notice. I, I just find it funny how Clark never looks good... All the same, but it's like it's like on a bad spectrum. It's the good end of bad. <laughs> so he looks bad here, yeah. but it's a good kind of bad. Yeah. But on the next page, he just looks awful. Literally, the only way to judge the art in this series is well, this panel isn't as worse than the last. This panel isn't as crap as that last crap. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't entirely agree with you, but I don't entirely disagree with you either. It it does can see. I don't get Christopher Reeve from this at all. There was one panel at the end which I thought that looks like a bad Christopher Reeve. Right. So Brandon Routh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now before you get email in, Brandon Routh is fantastic in Arrow. So I, I like Brandon Routh a great deal. We know this in the Scott Pilgrim episode. Yeah. Brandon is, that, Routh. is that Brandon Routh? Is, is that, that is Brandon that Brandon Routh? Routh? <laughs> Brandon Routh just play everyone. I'd watch Arrow more without putting the fast forward on if it just turned it into the Brandon Routh show. If you got his own, the Atom Yeah, give the Atom his own show with Felicity. <laughs> Take Felicity out of Arrow. Give her the show with the Atom. I'd watch that. It'd be better than Arrow. I'll be honest with you. Uh, they balance out the action and the plot. 
me reasonably well. I mean, superhero Jesus fiction Christ, always Superman. struggles with this. I'll get to that in a minute. I mean, he unloads an awful lot of background at the beginning of the comic. And involving Perry's a nice touch. Again, there's a Silver Age feel to Ulysses being portrayed like a brother figure for Clark. Like, you know, the super brother from Metropolis. Oh, that kind of, yeah. of story. Clark presumably is going to learn a lot about himself and humanity as the story progresses. Sadly, not enough to make it worthwhile. Mm. And, again, John's kind of sets forward the idea of the secret identity with regards to Superman. It's to blend in. And there is some funny in this. He borrows some of Clark's clothes. He flirts with girls. He's unaware of what money is. Yeah. So he thinks the guy's just giving him a steak sandwich rather than making him pay for it. But the scene where Clark goes to investigate um, the Ulysses Research Lab, what is going on with the art? Yeah. It's dreadful! Yeah. The scenes, the, the panels actually that don't have Superman in them are pretty good. <laughs> Pity it's a Superman <laughs> comic! I, actually, the, no, the, the, the panels where you can't see his face, his <laughs> face is... Yeah, it's... it's uh, I, I can't describe it, actually. It's... Not good? Y- yeah. I think yeah. it's the word. It's at the not bad <laughs> end of the spectrum. No, it's at the not good end of the spectrum, yeah. whereas the bad stuff's the, somewhere the, else. The, the bad end of the bad spectrum. Yes, that's the word I was left, the phrase I was looking for, yeah. Uh, the final action scene seems to work okay here, better than the earlier one in the previous issue. Superman realises that robot soldiers that attack are linked to the Titano robot from last issue, making them seem less random, so he is starting to bring the elements of the story together, and the last page is, is touching, with Neil Quinn being introduced to his parents, but this is used to emphasise how Superman feels about having lost his parents, whereas if he'd kept his parents alive, maybe they wouldn't feel the need to have him be mopey all the time. So, yeah, yeah. you made that decision. Lovely DC. He's a good writer here. Um, when the story's about Ulysses, it's it's better than when it's about Superman, although it does impact on him how he feels as a person, doesn't it? Yeah. So he is playing both sides quite well. It's But the art is okay in most of it, apart from the page that Michael's mentioned. The close one Superman's face in the last page is great, that's good. Mm. Top panel of the last page. But the one before that of him hunched over squat Superman like he's like he's the top of the panels coming down on yeah, his head yeah. and he's going get off like he knows he's in a comic do you remember that Superman toy where you could put Clark Kent over him and his head would yeah his head would disappear into his shoulders that, that is it yeah that's cack yeah isn't it that's utter utter tripe of the finest the finest kind I mean the issues are right yeah I, I like I like the Perry White stuff even if it's a retread of Superman the movie well, no, I like the the bits where Clark is just working off what Perry did years ago. Yeah. I kind of like that element. I liked that, that he, he dug up this story that Perry had written ages ago and he was following up on it. Yeah. So Perry was like, all right, I will share with you my knowledge, yeah. but I want you back working here. <laughs> yeah, the Perry White Daily Planet stuff was quite interesting. But like Ulysses, I don't care for Ulysses. I don't give a toss about it. Not only do I think he looks god-awful, yes. but I also think that he's, he, he is only the... To show what Superman wishes he could be. Yeah. Rocketed from a dying planet at birth. Yeah. And he lands on another planet and then comes back and he's he's got his parents. And Superman didn't have his parents. So basically Superman's meeting the post-crisis pre-New 52 Superman. 
Yeah. In this story. Or Superman is... We're seeing two sides of the same coin. Two what-ifs. Which would be fine if they did anything interesting with it. Yeah. Which I don't think they do, mm. to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it's entirely possible John's had other plans. But yeah. he's off the book now. Well, <laughs> do you think he was always supposed to... No, because he's, he he's not stuck around on anything apart from Green Lantern, has he, Justice really? Justice League. Justice League. And the, but he's he's supposed to be banging from book to book, isn't he? Mm. He's supposed to be working on Flash so he can only write so many comics and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know if he planned on sticking so around on that. they tell writers they can only write a certain number of comics. I think it's... I don't think they tell him. Allegedly, this is kind of bleeding cool, so pinch right, of salt. yeah, yeah. John's is only allowed to write so many comics because his main job is working on the media side. It's working on the films, it's working on the TVs, it's working on the, the video games. That's John's main role. Does that not seem stupid to you? What, to take the best writer and say you can't write comics? To, to take one of the best and most successful writers and have them doing someone else's job but telling him he can't do as much of his own job as he used to. Uh, no, it just tells me where DC's focus is. Yeah, and it's a shame they can't do that really well. It, well, the Flash is awesome! That's one. Arrow's thing. better now. That is one and a half. I've got high hopes for Supergirl. That's two. Melissa Benoist looks pretty good in the costume. I like the tights. Yeah, but it's not out yet, so we'll just... Well, yeah, 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 we'll better uh, further down. On, on what they're trying to produce, then, they've got at least one... One solid good thing out of everything live action that they've produced. I liked Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> I like Man of Steel as well, but literally that's... It's still the minority. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what you're saying basically is Jeff's not doing a very good job. No, what I'm saying is... I don't agree with you. Yeah. What I'm saying is if their main focus really is the TV and movies, then they should bloody shift up gear. Well, they have done. Suicide Squad has started filming. Batman vs. Superman has completed filming. I think it's in post now. Yeah. Supergirl series is coming up. There's rumours that the Atom is going to get a spin-off. Right. So all this stuff is, is impending. It's impending. Doesn't mean it's going to be any good. It doesn't. No, we'll, we'll reserve... I think Suicide Squad would make a much better series than film. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I think that's got more series potential than film. I think I'm just biased towards it because I don't like Jared Leto. Well, Margot Robbie's in it. She was in Wolf of Wall Street. So a lot of her in Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. You've seen Wolf of Wall Street? No. Have you not? Oh, no. I thought you'd seen that. I've seen a bit with Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey! Funnily enough, it's the only bit I need to see. No, you need to see the Margot Robbie bit. Is that the bit in the plane? I don't know if it's in a plane or not. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to the uh, to the location of the scene. <laughs> Issue 34's cover as Superman and Ulysses turn around looking stunned behind them is Sparta Bot. It's all no, right. that's not Sparta No, that's Bot. Machinist, isn't it? Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I'm mixing up with Machinist with my Sparta Bot. Superman has at least got fists, but what is, you know, Ulysses doing? They're both doing... Ah. <laughs> he's doing... Yeah, he's William Shatner. Ah. I, can't, I can't convey in an audio meme what he's what I'm trying to do, but... Yeah. He's just kind of got his arm. He's like, whenever Captain Kurt would get overtaken by an alien, he would go... Ah. He's doing big fish, little fish, cardboard boxes, <laughs> what he's doing. <laughs> so many of the audience are going to get that. <laughs> what was that from? I've no idea. It was a kid's show, wasn't it? Big no, fish, little fish, it was box. a song... Like this really 
crappy song and then Bob Builder did it Bob the Builder yeah but, Bob Builder but yeah <laughs> Bob the Builder's cousin but, Bob Builder but they chased it to like we're all raving mad and in the Bob the Builder version it's we're all having fun oh, alright so, yeah yeah okay. alright I'll take your word for it anyway chapter 3 is called Ulysses <laughs> hasn't one of them already been called Ulysses or are all these titles just the same I didn't pay attention to the titles uh, well, I don't suppose you need to, do you? The bizarre man who's been watching the Man of Steel references someone or something that he has locked away. If you're hoping that this subplot will get answers, <laughs> tough. Elsewhere, Ulysses' meeting with his parents goes very well. They explain that they pulled a rabbit out of the hat at the last moment and saved the facility, albeit at the loss of a few lives. Sadly, their research was lost and they had no way of tracking Ulysses. He's just happy that they are alive. He explains that his powers seem to come from the transport to the fourth dimension, and as he grew up, he learned his cells were infused with fourth dimensional energy, enabling him to fly, giving him super strength, and allowing him to store and release said energy. He tells the Quins that, with his adoptive parents dead, he had no reason to return to the fourth dimension, and that he's here to stay. That night, Ulysses visits Clark and tells him that, with a piece of the robots that attacked earlier, he has been able to track the robots back to the source. Clark gets his cape. The residual energy takes him to a scrapyard and Superman's heat vision goes awry again. Something Ulysses believes may be down to him. Inside the yard, Ulysses is attacked by a little bug that scrambles his brain and he attacks Spider-Man. No, he doesn't, because Spider-Man's not in this comic. (laughs) Inside the yard, Ulysses is attacked by a little bug that scrambles his brain and he attacks Superman. After a brief fracas, Superman fries the beastie, but he's out cold. He then asks fired from his job three episodes before the end of the series. A man calling himself the Machinist and looking like Jigsaw from the Saw movie sets two more robots on Superman, this time looking like wolves. Turns out all Jigsaw 2 really wants is for his buyers to see how well his robots do when they go up against Superman as it increases their worth. The robot doggies seem to give Superman a little more trouble than he anticipated and he sets a number of the bugs on Superman. However, Ulysses has awoken and blasts a hole through Jigsaw wannabe's chest. The man behind the mask is dead, a mere pawn, and the Jigsaw mask informs them that Ulysses just killed an innocent man. Tom Selleck's in that. <laughs> film called an innocent man. Tom Selleck's in it, I'm just saying. Uh, quite a more thoughtful opening than we've got from the rest of the issues. Neil meets his biological parents. John's, to his credit, yeah. eschews the sturm und drang of traditional adoption stories. Neil's just happy to find his parents. So again, it's playing up all that angle that you were talking about. Is yeah. This is what Superman wants. And Superman just looks like he's a third-wheeling mongoloid. <laughs> he, he does look like he's kind of just rocking on his shirt <laughs> and his knees, doesn't he? I think he needs those cuffs because he'll keep scraping his knuckles. <laughs> Scratch himself <laughs> to feel something. I don't know. Again, Ramita Jr.'s hit and miss. He's more than capable of handling the bigger, extravagant action scenes. He's proved that on Thor and World War Hulk, as well as the smaller, intimate moments. So one of thought a Superman strip, one would have thought, sorry, a Superman strip was right up his alley. But the faces are squished and off-centre. The noses, which he started making blobby in Spider-Man. Do you remember later yeah. on in the, the J. Michael Straczynski run? Are just really weird in certain places. The writing's fine. I especially like the scene where Bridget Quinn confides in Superman. Yeah. I thought that was quite a sweet scene. Although Ulysses watching Clark sleep... A bit. A little weird. Especially since he's, he's got his own parents, his own family now. Why is he watching another man sleep? I would not like to hazard a guess <laughs> why he's watching another man sleep. I don't know that Clark works up with, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. 
Did you just break in? Yeah. <laughs> Does Superman need to sleep? Well, I guess. But maybe he didn't know Kryptonians needed to sleep because, well, there aren't any other Kryptonians. Well, that's true. I, 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 I didn't know Kryptonians needed to sleep. Well, what? I'm the first one you've met. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 did you not think other humans needed to sleep also? Oh, and bloody hell, is that a rabbit sleeping? I didn't know they needed to sleep. It's like the most stupidest thing he could have said. Well, it's it's not as, as big an invasion of privacy as just bursting into his house to watch him sleep. Yeah. You know, it's Superman Returns. Clerks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Either Ulysses is lucky or unlucky that Clark doesn't sleep in the naked. Yeah. Well, he's Superman. He could have pulled his pants on quickly. Well, super imagine. fast. Yeah. You don't want to see some super iron, do you? <laughs> super Rob. That's <laughs> not what we want to see in a, a Superman comic. Uh, and then the entire last half of the issue is just action. Action all the way. Uh, the Machinist isn't a great villain. Nor is this a particularly satisfying action beat. Yeah. Is it? I don't, I don't mind the Machinist. What's his point? Uh, he doesn't. Isn't he a, just a terrible tinkerer? I, I don't know, but he doesn't have a point. I, just, <laughs> I, I kind of like the whole arms dealer villains type people. Yeah, well, he's yeah. All right, fair enough. Like you say, he doesn't really have a point. Um, the, they get attacked within seconds. The fight's over. The arts variable. Yeah. Again, a lot of full page splashes for no reason. It's filler. There's some interesting moments in the story, a nugget or two, that enhance the background, but this feels like it takes an awful long time to get to the scene at the end where Ulysses kills somebody, and the fight scene that precedes it is pretty unspectacular. Yeah, I don't get him killing that person either. Like, he kills him on purpose, right? Yeah. And yet, his motives for doing what he's doing is because people are killing. Yeah. Oh, he's a massive contradiction. But, but in the next issue, doesn't he say something like he didn't mean to kill him or something like that? Oh, he quite clearly means to kill him. He opens fire with his heat vision right into the guy's chest. Yeah. What he, does he think that's going to do to him? He does it on purpose yeah. and then acts shocked that he's dead. <laughs> it's like taking an axe to somebody and then being shocked when the head's on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Ulysses is just a terrible character and he's not very... His story arc's not very well thought out. But I'm going to save that thought for when we get to yeah, a few yeah, moments yeah, yeah. in issue 37 or 38. Yeah. We'll save that. What did you think of that one? Because I thought it was a bit crap. I... Honestly, I, I don't know why, but I like The Machinist. <laughs> but you don't remember reading the comic? <laughs> I don't. Honestly, these... You only read it an hour before we recorded. These two machinist issues, I did not remember. Uh, okay. Superman 35 got a god-awful cover of the machinist grabbing Superman from behind and clasping, clasping his hands around his head. The evil red eyes of evil emanate from Superman's eyes. What's going on with Superman's face? Uh, uh, what's going on in that picture? Why is... His face looks Do you remember like... when we covered whatever that Rob Liffield comic was? Yeah. Back when we did the 90s stuff? Yeah. And there was that panel with the guy with the mouth that was a wormhole to another dimension. <laughs> Superman's mouth here is exactly Just the same. Look at his chin, though. Is his face made of paper? Well, is the machine is supposed to be draining the life out of him, though? Because it looks like he's... He's skeletal. He looks emaciated, doesn't he? Yeah. It looks like he's draining Superman's life force. I'll be honest. I'll, I'm and what's going on with the nose? I'm going to cut Liffield some slack because Liffield's a crap artist. Yeah. Ramita's not a crap artist. But that's Liffield's level of crap. That's, yeah. Wow. Rob Liffield could probably do a better job than that. Superman's face is... Well, it's not oh, just yeah. the machinist's hands. 
you clasp your hands around somebody's head, right? Which yeah. I've just done to you. Yeah. They don't look like that. He's, look. It, right, no, it looks like he's taken a picture of hands, but they're at a different... What, the guy from Dyad? Yeah, but the, the, the picture is like at a different angle right. to what he wants in Superman's face, because look, his hands are facing us, Superman's just slightly facing away from us, so mm. they're at two completely different angles. So what you're saying is it's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sums it up. In many ways. The Quick Fix is the title of, uh, of this issue. Ulysses is understandably upset that he's just put a hole in someone. But it's all for naught as Superman tells him the man was already dead. Ah. That was convenient, wasn't it? The funny little bug things had already burrowed into the man's skull and taken control of his brain. I can kill you with my brain. Superman tries to tell Ulysses that they cannot simply let loose, not with their power set. Ulysses uses the transmitter that the cannon fodder was being controlled with and follows its energies to a cargo vessel in the Atlantic. Superman and Ulysses track the machinist to the ship, both still being monitored by the shadowy figure of evil, trademark, from previous issues. Whilst the machinist won't talk, Ulysses believes he can track all the buyers of the machinist weapons, but there is a backfire that reveals to Ulysses every single weapon on Earth. Ulysses, recovering from the feedback, tells Superman they need to track down and destroy them all, but Superman says people need freedom of choice, even if it's to destroy themselves. Ulysses takes off in a strop, and the machinist says that they will never be able to prevent man from making and buying weapons before he seemingly blows himself up. After visiting the World War II War Memorial, Ulysses makes a decision just as Lois and Jimmy arrive at the Quinn's home and Clark consults with Perry. Ulysses then appears on all TV screens around the world, announcing his name and his intent. Perry is pissed off Clark already knew all this and didn't report it, but Clark's too busy taking in Ulysses' broadcast. Ulysses states that there is far too many here with hate in their hearts and hungry for control. If you wish to journey to a world of peace, love, and acceptance, join me in a better world. We have the capacity for six million. Will you be one of them? Sounds like a lottery pitch, doesn't yeah. it? Above his head, a giant orbiting self-sustainable world appears as if by magic. Um, the opening is great. John Romita Jr.'s art's brilliant in these two opening pages. Lois has a, a lovely full face. J- Jimmy doesn't have a blobby nose. And Perry White looks great with Half Moon specs on. Yeah. Are there these, uh, Lois bottom panel page too. Absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Why can't he do that all the time? <laughs> looks a bit Courtney Coxy. But, you know, I suppose if you're going to model somebody on uh, on Lois, or Lois on somebody, Courtney Cox is a good choice. Courtney Cox in Friends, not Cougar Town. She looks like she's had a face pull back now. <laughs> and she's got the, the duck trout pout thing. Yeah. Like yeah. she's had too much injected into her lips. Yeah. Courtney, why have you done that? <laughs> what have you done that for? Age gracefully, Courtney. Because she listens. Does she? Oh, yeah. Courtney Cox listens to oh, this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, contrast this with Superman Ulysses' faces on page six, which look like a Picasso painting. Don't they? Eyes, not at the right level. Eyes, not at the right level. Yeah. Eyes, not at the right level. It's that being Toy Story, isn't it, with the spud guy goes... Oh, yeah, yeah. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah, it is. I don't... I still don't understand Ulysses. Why is he in so much shock for doing something that he did on purpose? Well, I thought he was going to hurt you. Well, that makes it okay, doesn't it? Well, this is... I I thought thought he was going to hurt you, Man of Steel. (laughs) 
Well, see, the thing is, they could have salvaged this if this was all an act. And we'll get to I that. Still, I still don't understand. If he came here on purpose, for the sole purpose... Of stealing six million people to fuel the great engine, not the great why, world, or whatever. Why did he go through all this character arc of trying to fit in? I got nothing. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at it, look back at it, that makes no sense. I mean, he's trying to build himself up as being like a Superman-like figure, so he's trying to get the six million people to come willingly, isn't he? Yeah. So I suppose that's why he's going to all this trouble. So why does he have to bother trying to fit in with people? Why does he have to try... Well, if a strange guy just showed up and said, Hey, six million people, come with me, it'll be great, he probably wouldn't trust him. Yeah, it's just, why does he do so much with Clark Kent? He doesn't need to try fitting in he doesn't need maybe if Superman's on his side the general populace will be on his side quicker I guess yeah, I guess I suppose I suppose that's the he way he didn't know Superman would be though Superman was never part of the plan right in fact I, I doubt Ulysses even knew of Superman or any superhero's existence uh, Jeff Johns by my understanding is a part of the board of people in charge of making the DC properties viable movies and TV shows. Here, he has Superman denounce what Ulysses did last issue, as it could have killed the man. It did kill the man. You can't ever use your power like that against someone, says Superman. You have to find another way. Contrast this to the events of The Man of Steel. Right? right. Now, irrespective of your opinion of the film, and the events depicted therein, it was DC Comics, according to interviews with both David Goyer and Zack Snyder, who wrote and directed the film, that signed off on Superman killing Zod. Right? Yeah. The situation, as I understand it from interviews, was Chris Nolan and Warner Brothers were against it. They right. didn't want to do it. Snyder and Goyer were for it, and deadlocked, they turned to DC Comics for the answer. And DC Comics said, let him snap the bastard's neck. Or words <laughs> to that effect. I wasn't in the room. I'm paraphrasing. So, my question is, who at DC signed off on that? Clearly not John's, if what he writes here is to be believed. And a further question then, why such a disconnect between the comics and the films? Now, it is possible to read this as a Superman that has taken executive action against a villain before and has forsworn that course of action ever since. But it could also be read as Superman saying he will never, and has never, killed anybody. Now, in the post-crisis continuity, that this was the case. It was, he'd done it once, he was never going to do it again. He went through a crisis of conscience, yeah. never do it again. But that doesn't exist in the New 52. Mm. So, if you're reading this as a sequel to Man of Steel, and you've only seen Man of Steel, which is obviously what they're going for, irrespective of Jeff Johns' utter devotion to Superman the movie... Man of Steel is what's out there at the minute. That is what they're promoting at the moment, right? I guess, but it doesn't convey to the comics. Well, that's what I'm... If you've watched Man of Steel and here you've got a Superman saying, we do not kill, yet you've just watched a movie where Superman kills somebody, and again, irrespective of context, yeah. you can sit there and argue with me, well, he had to do it for this reason and that reason. Bottom line is he killed Zod. Yeah. This comic has Superman say, we do not do that. This comic makes you out to be an incredible hypocrite if you're coming at this after Man of Steel. But what's DC Comics' stance on that, then? Yeah, but 
But we, we've had this debate before, though, about the distance between the comics and the movies. So the comic Superman does not, has not, and will not ever kill. The movie Superman has killed and will never kill again. That's two completely different codes. I, it's two completely different Supermans. I suppose it is, and I have said if the Man of Steel, for the most part, from the Man of Steel movie, was the guy in the comics, I'd probably more interested, because he was more interesting than this guy. Yeah. I'll give the film that. The Man of Steel Superman is much more interesting than the guy in these comics. Mm. I just thought it was interesting that DC Comics were the ones that let him kill Zod, but DC Comics are the ones here saying Superman does not, has not, and will not ever kill. Um, that seems very contradictory to me. But it could be just writer versus company. But he works for that company. He's the chief executive officer of that company. If yeah. the chief executive officer of that company doesn't speak for that company, then who the hell does? But if the chief executive of that company can't tell his own story and get left alone, who can? That's true, I suppose. Maybe Diane Nelson doesn't give a toss about the comics. Yeah. You know, we don't know who it was at DC who said who let them do it. Could have yeah. been Didio, could have been Diane Nelson, I don't know. Didio and Johns could have not known anything about it. It's entirely possible. Yeah. You know, we could be blaming the wrong people. Yeah. For all we know. I do like Doctor Doom in this issue. <laughs> he, he's not Doctor Doom, dude. <laughs> he's pretty much Doctor <laughs> Doom. He's a better Doctor Doom than we got in the Fantastic Four films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the action scenes are fine. Bit scratchy. It's the moral debate that's at the heart of this issue. Ulysses wants to know why Superman just doesn't go around the world and disarm everybody. Something that was pretty much the heart of Superman 4. There you go. He's rewriting <laughs> Superman 4 with this issue. Uh, it was recently explored in Superman Earth 1 Volume 2 as well. Well worth reading. The, I the, think the, song. I think the one where he goes to the dictator in the company and Superman just goes, Ah, let's take yeah. you out of that. Yeah, I've read that. I quite liked that. Uh, pretty much sets up where it's going to go. Ulysses is now disillusioned. But again, why is he doing all of this? If he already knew what he was going to yeah, do. Yeah, because he's not pulling a fake out here. No. He's not doing this going to the World War II memorial for any cameras or anything. Maybe if he'd... Because he says he's a seeker. He's Silver Surfer. Yeah. Uh, he, he lives on Galactus and he's a Silver Surfer. <laughs> and he says his, his role is to go and seek planets. Right. That can be eaten, right? Yeah. So if he'd have done all this whilst he was seeking, if he'd have seen all of this and then decided, yeah, it deserves... Yeah, but he, he doesn't, does he? No. This is this all makes it seem like this is building up to a genuine offer to take six million people away. Yeah. Even as a reader, we are not privy here to the fake out. Yeah. We think Ulysses is a good guy at this point. If we, we still think that at the end. Yeah. But, you know... I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Ulysses' character arc is very well... is very badly plotted. Yeah. Throughout the entire storyline. Looking at modern comics is like doing a book report on individual chapters of a book. <laughs> They're just simply not designed to be read like this anymore. It's another chapter in the story. It's hard to say anything unique about it. There's an action beat that is similar to the other action beats that we've already seen because Johnsy's heart doesn't seem to be into writing action scenes in this particular story. There are no remarkable or jaw-dropping moments. There's nothing here we haven't seen Superman do before, or better. It's pretty safe and predictable, and you can guess where the story is going to go from now. Hopefully, and I wrote this as I was reading, uh, I was I was hopeful that we were going to get a few surprises. Big Hero 6 is an incredibly predictable film, <laughs> but it's executed in a very engaging way. 
Yeah. I was hoping this would pull a few more decent moments out of the bag. So far, it, it's neither bad nor good. It simply is. Yeah. It's very disappointing from the first issue, which I really did enjoy. What do you think? A 30-whatever that was? Uh, there's a reason why I couldn't remember it on the second <laughs> read. Now, whether, whether that was because of post-reading stress disorder <laughs> or because it's just forgettable is up to debate. Alright, fair enough. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm still quite digging on Doctor Doom. I like Doctor Doom. He's yeah. a better Doctor Doom than Julian McMahon. Alright, we'll, uh, we'll make this a two-parter then. We'll keep these at 90 minutes. And next time we will cover Superman 36, 37, 38 and 39. Because that was a big cliffhanger. The big ships just showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hey Kids Comics is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to Do production. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only. And no infringement is intended, so don't send your phalanx of highly paid lawyers after us as we have no money. Certainly this show was not turned into a lucrative revenue stream as no money is made from this either, which vexes us. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and no one else. They own them, cherish them and look after them, but are probably not to be taken too seriously. New episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics at virginmedia.com. We can also be friended on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word as the first name, and Comics as the surname. We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics. Just as I press record. She times it. Mm. You can for me, I don't care. <laughs> it's this kind of parenting. <laughs> I'm not paying for it though. Well, you go and help yourself. Why would hello, the hello, lovely listeners. What? What, <laughs> what do you think this is? A circus. show? You can just march in here and take over. Well, I just did. She's just...
We've just been oofed off our own show. Reboot. Yeah. <laughs> We've been rebooted. We've been rebooted to a younger female singular <laughs> entity. <laughs> Obviously, those two being two straight dudes, that was just too much for the popular. <laughs> so we've been rebooted as a young girl. Yeah. Welcome to the ballet show. <laughs> <laughs> We're discussing pirouettes and... That other move where they do a little spin on the toes. And that thing where you do that. And the one that, you... What's that called? On a van. That's the on a van. Uh huh. Uh huh. And patience. Jump. What's it called with your feet? It's an audio medium, love. They can't see you dancing. Jumping like a nonce. <laughs> Is that what it's called? <laughs> Looks like it. Say what you see. What's what thing you're called? No, your foot, your feet, grab and. Your thoughts. What are your feet movements, Carl? First, second, First, third, second. fourth, and fifth. Yeah, and then what else were they called? Wow, is ballet boxing now? Quasi. Oh, I know. <laughs> we're ready? Yeah, let's do an episode. <laughs> <laughs> 